0: so We're continuing the thought process of, I didn't ask for this. I didn't really intend on that being a sermon series. I didn't really intend on it being what it is, but the Lord's just really kind of been stirring because I believe all around us, everywhere we look, in your heart, in your life, and everybody around us, we're facing stuff we didn't ask for. I didn't ask for uh, us to try to reschedule and figure out how we're going to operate Wednesday night youth and kids ministries and have to tell our kids to be apart and try to be safe and keep from spreading germs. We didn't ask for this, right? That's something maybe that's small in somebody else's world, but everywhere around us we have this thought of, I didn't ask for this. And so the devotion Wednesday night was all about really uh, forgiveness and a person that's hurt you that you didn't ask for. You know, you didn't ask to be hurt. You didn't ask to be broken. You didn't ask for the situation to be put in. You to be put in a place where you had to forgive somebody. But God puts us in those places regularly. And so today, I want to just continue with the same theme, the same thought of uh, God. What happened? God, what happened? And the thought is, you know, so often we feel like something's taking place, you know, kind of we, we've got this thought process going, where everything's going fine, the Lord's blessing us, oh, we don't understand, we're faithful, we're doing what's right, and all of a sudden life collapses all around us. And I don't know about you, but when that takes place, I didn't ask for that, right? I didn't ask for life to collapse around me. And I thought about Job, and I've been reading through the story of Job, and, and I've read this many times and I just want to kind of walk through this a little bit and tie this together and I want to give you three thoughts at the end that Job didn't ask for so Job is this upright guy he's righteous he's pure I want to read this passage of Scripture out of chapter 1 verses uh, 6 through 8 we what kind of good idea of what's taking place Job is a man that is he's blessed the Bible calls him the richest man in the area. He's got the sons and daughters. He's got livestock. He's got servants. He is, he's just blessed beyond measure. And it's interesting to me when we read in just a second what God had to say about Job. Um, his, his wealth is is huge. And so this whole concept that we sometimes see that God doesn't want us to, to have money or to be wealthy is kind of blown out of the water in this story for me because uh, God calls him righteous, upright, the and blameless, the most righteous man in the land. And, and, and he, he has wealth, right? So I don't really understand how we can accept the concept that God doesn't want us to have wealth. First of all, churches are built using money, right? Hospitals that help people are built using money. Christian education facilities are built using money, right? Right? So we kind of get past that whole thought. I want to read this to you, though, out of Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. It says, One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. I want you to remember that thought, the accuser, Satan. Where have you come from, the Lord, asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. If you don't think that somebody's not out to get you, I'm here to tell you right here is your evidence. Satan is patrolling the earth watching everything that's going on. The Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Here is a man of wealth. Here's a man that has anything he really could ever need and beyond that. He's got everything he could ever want and, and, and now God's calling him blameless, a man of complete integrity. I don't know about you men, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I hope that, that maybe when I make it to the, the pearly gates and, and I stand before the judgment throne, that God can look at me and he can, ha- he can say of me, that dude, he is a man of complete integrity. The same thing you see in person is the same thing that you see in the dark. The same thing that you see when he's around everybody else is the same thing that you see with your family. I hope that God can think of me in a way as a man of complete integrity integrity so they're having this meeting and God says well have you considered Job I really don't you know understand this thought I don't really like it because if I'm doing right and I've got God's attention because things are going well I don't really want him to sit around and say hey Satan have you considered Mitchell I don't know about you but I don't really want to be that guy right maybe you do I don't wanna be that guy. But the fact is, because we're living upright and we are striving to do what is right, we're living with integrity, we now have a target on our back by the accuser, Satan, who is patrolling the earth. This is his kingdom, this is his place. He was cast from heaven, he was sent to the earth, this is the place he reigns. He knows it better than anybody else. Knows him much better than you and I. And so we instantly have a target on our back. And God says, Have you noticed my servant? Job says, Well, yeah, but he's got a good reason to fear God. You've protected him and everything he's had forever. It tells me two things. First of all, God's a protector. And if I'm striving to live this upright, righteous life and I'm I'm one of God's children, I'm protected. Satan could not touch Job because God had protected him. You with me? Satan could not touch Job. He says, sure, I've considered him. I've seen him. I pass him all the time. Whenever he wakes up in the morning, I get this little headache because of who he is. His feet hit the ground. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, Job's up. Yeah, I've considered him, but I can't touch him. And God says, okay. Tell you what. You can do whatever you want, but don't touch Job. I'm going to let down the protection. I'm going to let down the guard, but don't touch Job. So there's a day that this story kind of falls in line and Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house. And while they're feasting, the Sabaeans came riding in and stole all the donkeys and the oxen and killed all the farmhands. Well, that really stinks. It's okay. We're good. We can replace them. The problem is, is while that messenger's telling the story, another messenger shows up and he says, hey, um... Uh, just so you know the fire from God has fallen and burned up all of your sheep and all the shepherds the fire from God often represents lightning the fire from God's fallen the sheep are gone your shepherds are gone I'm the only one that's left to come and talk to you about it Job seriously I just lost the camels and the oxen and now we're losing the sheep it's okay we're going to replace them Just then, while that messenger's finishing up, another one shows up and he says, Chaldean raiders showed up and they've stolen all the camels and all the servants. Well, now this is getting a little more difficult. Now I'm left with no sheep. I'm left with no oxen. I'm left with with nothing to plow the fields. I'm now left with no camels to ride. And now I have no servants to do the work. We still got our family. It's okay about kicking a man while he's down that's not the way this finishes up and you know the story the last messenger shows up and he says your sons and daughters were having Sunday lunch and while they're feasting together while they're having Sunday lunch a wind comes out of nowhere and hits all sides of the house and the house collapses and kills all your sons and daughters now that one cuts a little deeper I can live without my camels I can live without my sheep I can live without the shepherds to handle the sheep I don't even need no shepherds if I ain't got no sheep but now you are taking my babies and Job I really don't understand if you read this story first of all there's always somebody to tell who lives to tell the story right in all four of those situations, uh, Mr. Job, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but while we were out working, all the oxen were killed. I'm the only person that lived to tell you about it. Mr. Job, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but while we were out uh, hanging out, um, all of the camels, they were killed off. But I'm the only one to live to tell you about it. Mr. Job, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you no longer have any sheep, but I'm the guy that lived to tell you about it. Did you know there's always going to be somebody that wants to point out the flaws, and that wants to come and just say, hey, just so you know, you got a booger in your nose. (laughs) There's always somebody. You give something everything you have. Believe in that That it's going exactly the way that God would intend. I'm not even talking about in your flesh. I'm talking about we can even step into a thing of you believe you're leading your family the way you're supposed to lead your family. And somebody has the audacity to say, hey, uh, just so you know, here. There's always somebody. But that's the whole thought of this whole story because it all starts with the accuser, Satan. Satan's always got somebody to point out your flaw. Sometimes the most godly, saint little person is the one that, that the enemy's using to cut you deep. They would never believe they're being used by Satan, but in reality they're using, he's using them to accuse you and to put you down. There's always the person that lives to tell the story. But Job is, I really can't comprehend Because to me, you've taken everything around me. Now I'm left with me and my wife, basically homeless. You blew the house down. Here we are. And Job said, it's okay, wife. Verse 21, chapter 1. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord's taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> I've lost it all. Baba, black sheep, Mary that had the little lambs now gone, the double humpback camel that was my favorite, my sons and my daughters, my legacy. And somehow Job still stands up full of faith to say everything I had was from the Lord. He gave it to me. He can take it away from me. Praise the name of the Lord. There's a whole nother sermon in this about possession. We say possession is nine-tenths of the law. I don't own anything. Because everything that I have come from the Lord and just as fast as he gave it to me, he could pull it away. I can be left the same way as that naked little baby that they spanked to make cry when I came from my mama. I can be left the exact same way. He gave it to me. He can take it away. And who in the world would I be to say, God, you ain't got no business taking this from me. This is mine. Wrong. Possession has nothing to do with anything that I have. I own nothing. But that's not the way this ends. We're only in chapter one. There's 42 chapters for me to preach through today. Bless the name of the Lord. You ready? Somebody call and have lunch ordered in. There's another meeting in heaven. Chapter two says that there's another meeting. Satan shows up again. Same question takes place. Exact same conversation, and the Lord has the audacity. You considered my servant Job, and I think that probably well, I say God had to have been like, how'd that work out for Job? How'd that work out for you, Satan? Didn't really go like you thought, did it? You considered my servant Job? <laughs> you say yeah but he's faithful, he's true to you. You got him protected, I can't touch him. And God said, fine. You can actually touch him, but you cannot kill him. You can touch him, but you can't kill him. I could go on and on, and my, my mind's going so many different ways. I don't care what the enemy tries to do to you. If you're a child of God, he cannot kill you. He may take your physical body from this earth, but he absolutely cannot take the life of your soul. You are going to live in eternity with Jesus, and I don't care what Satan wants to do to come against you. If you're a child of God, he cannot whatsoever take your life everybody around you that loves you that cares about you may mourn because you ain't here on this earth with them but all you're doing is you're attending the post office hey a change of of address and you're just moving out of this place and you're moving to the next he cannot whatsoever kill you god said absolutely satan you can have joe but do not kill him i don't give you authority to take his life and so Job gets these boils all over his body, and it's terrible. He takes stone clay, and he goes, and he, he mourns, and he scrapes his skin, and his wife said, why don't you curse God and die? Lord, help us. If the one person that's supposed to be our helpmate ever gets to the place that they tell us, why don't you just go curse God and die? I'm done hearing about it. It's a low point of life. And then we think it's going to be great because the friends show up. Misery loves company. You throw a pity party, it's amazing who wants to join. Right? I It's been interesting watching the teachers try to go back to school. Put it this way, if one makes a small little statement and complains, the other ten got something worse to complain about. Right? Misery loves company. The friends show up. And here's where I was kinda going earlier and I took a detour and a shortcut. These friends have conversations, and I'll, you, you really should read this story. But over and over, these three guys are talking to Job. Job, what have you done, man? You've got to confess your sin. You've got to go back and repent. You've done something. Well, I don't know what it is that you've done, but your sin has brought you to this place. Family and friends, did God not say he is blameless, he is upright, he is of complete integrity? He did not sin to bring him to his circumstance can it happen sure do we reap what we sow can sin bring us to a place of destruction absolutely that's not what I'm talking about today I'm talking about God what happened a man of complete integrity and now Satan is using the the brothers the, the friends that were supposed to come and console him to be the very ones to put him down I got three thoughts that I want to give you from Job. Three things I believe Job never asked for. I really, you know you see those people that you think they got it all together? I mean really, Christian people, more times than not, honestly, it's not Christian people. It's people that are living far away from the Lord, that they're the ones that manage to somehow keep it together because they don't have the target on their back. I just pictured Job as this upright, stand-up guy. And out of nowhere, he finds himself sitting wallowing, scraping his skin with a wife who wants him out of the house, curse God and die. I can just imagine that he would sit and say, God, I didn't ask for this. Right? God, what happened? I was doing what's right. Lord, I was following... You will. Job was such an upright man that when his, his kids would go and have a feast, they'd get together. The Bible says that the next day he would go and offer sacrifices on their behalf because they might have sinned. Don't say they said that he would go, he would offer up burnt offerings and sacrifices for atonement for the sins they might have committed. God, what happened? How did I get here? Why, why am I surrounded by these three friends that are now putting me down, telling me how bad I am? And, and how, this wife wants nothing. To, God, what happened? He didn't ask for this. He didn't ask for the trials, number one. He didn't ask for the trials. You ever asked for a trial? Things happen. Things happen to good people. Things happen to bad people. Things happen. Life's hard. And I'm not standing before you telling you that as somebody that don't know, that's just got it all together, and I can say, oh, life's hard. You know, life's hard get a helmet. No, I can tell you from a personal walk with the Lord of trying to live an upright life of complete integrity, life is hard. Things happen. We live in a Genesis 3 world. What does that mean? Adam and Eve had every opportunity in the world to live in complete harmony with the Lord. To live in complete unity and in a place that was beautiful, that had everything they could walk up and run their fingers through the manes of a lion and, and, and wrap their arm around it. Wouldn't you love to sleep beside the lion at night? How much more protected could you feel? But disobedience in Genesis chapter 3, they committed a federal sin, which meant that it was the sin that followed all of mankind from then on, and they were cast out of that garden. We live in a Genesis 3 world. We now live in Satan's domain. Things happen. Job didn't ask for the trials. Not only. He did not ask for the trials, but he didn't ask to be accused. There's a meeting in heaven. Satan shows up. Very clearly, the accuser, Satan, is here. <laughs> you met those people that, like, when they walk in a room, it's like it sucks every bit of energy out of the room? Pretty sure that was, that was Satan walking into the staff meeting of heaven. Like, what are you even doing here, dude? Well, I just wanted to come sit in on this meeting. Have you seen my servant Job? Yeah, but I can't touch him. Well, I'll release this authority to you, and now you can touch him. God's got a way of speaking to us. Maybe for you it's an audible voice that you hear God reach down and say, Go have me casitas for lunch today. You think I'm being crazy, but that waitress might need you to pour life into her. So if that was God's way of speaking to you to go to that waitress, that would be how he speaks to you. Well, maybe it's an Impression. That you see somebody and something stirs inside of you, or, or maybe you're just laying in the bed and, and somebody's name pops in your mind. You can't get them off your mind and you know you got to send them a text message. Maybe it, it, it's, it's, you know, you feel an oppression from some, some way. Maybe it's you reading the Word of God. It's amazing how the craziest off the wall stories out of the Bible speak directly to my life and into my situation. To be careful not to take scripture out of context because it's unreal how God applies and relates scripture to my life in the most weird, off the wall ways. God speaks through people. You don't even know what you're confirming in people's life, something that God's dealing with them in, but by you just speaking one simple word, sometimes God's speaking through you to an individual. In the same way, Satan's got a way of communicating. It's the temptation of the flesh. I believe in the same way that God God gives us impressions, I believe that Satan will gear our thoughts and our mindsets, puts things, He he can only get in my head as far as I let him. But he can put things in front of me to gear and guide and make me think different things. But he also uses people. I'm telling you, some of the most godly people have been used to pour destruction over my life. The accuser will use whoever the accuser has to use to destroy you. You read through those chapters we obviously ain't got time to read 42 chapters of Job over and over and over and to the point that Job believes he did something wrong. Job finally is arguing with God. God what happened? I don't even understand. How do we get to this place? So crazy though is I didn't even intend to read this to you, but I want to out of Job chapter 38. They're not going to have it on the screen because that's my fault. I didn't intend to read it. They're having this argument back and forth and This friend Elihu is having conversations, and Job's arguing. And finally, God said, in verse thirty-eight, I love the way the New Living Translation says it. Said the Lord answered from a whirlwind, "Who is this that questions my my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I got some questions for you, son. Brace yourself like a man. Who is it? Where where were you?" when I laid the foundations of the earth tell me if you know so much who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line who what what supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy who kept the sea inside the boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it with thick darkness for I locked it behind barrel gates Barred gates limiting its shore. I said, This far and no farther will you come. Here, your proud ways must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? On and on and on, God said, Who in the world do you think you are? And here, Job says, God, what happened? Job didn't ask for the trials, he didn't ask to be accused. And what's so awesome to me is when he finally, in chapter 42, verse 10. Just got another whole thought. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, sermons for days out of this. When Job for, prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. First of all, he prayed for the ones accusing him. Huh that has nothing to do with anything I had to say today. He prayed for the ones putting him down. He prayed for the ones that brought him to this mindset where he is, he's fussing with God, he's arguing with God. God, I don't even understand how we got here. He's, he, and he, when he prayed for those ones accusing him, the Lord restored his fortune. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. All his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each one of them brought a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. The third thought is Job didn't ask for a double blessing. He didn't ask for the trials. He didn't ask for the accuser. But neither did he ask for the double portion. You read those numbers, you see them, 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. You go back and read the beginning. In Job chapter 1, it is double what he had. He only had uh, 7,000 sheep in the beginning. He had 3,000 camels. He had 500. Ta- it's double. God doubled the blessings after the trial. God, what happened? God had to take you to this really, really hot fire, and he had to be refined. God knew he could handle it. All good and perfect things come from the Father of lights above. The trial, the sickness, the disease, losing everything he had did not come from God. All God did was release the protection. That means had God not been protecting him all the time, he'd have never had it in the first place. If God was not protecting me today, Satan could have killed me on the way to the church house. What do we take for granted? God, what happened? I didn't ask for this. He didn't ask for the trials. He didn't ask to be accused. But he also didn't ask for the double portion. And so it's simple for me today, where we get to James 1.12 said, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards they'll receive the crown of life. God's promise to those who love him. First Peter five ten and eleven says, In his kindness God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. That's a beautiful statement, right? Follow it up. It says, so after you've suffered a little while, he'll restore, support, strengthen you, and he'll place you on a firm foundation, all power to him forever. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus is talking. He said, I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. It's just a thought of encouragement today. You didn't ask for the trials. You didn't ask for heartache. You didn't ask for mourning. We didn't ask for relationship tensions. We didn't ask for our kids to be crazy. We didn't ask to be living in this crazy world. We didn't ask to be having to wear a mask everywhere we go. We didn't ask to be trying to fight this battle inside of living in fear and living in common sense and living in confidence. We didn't ask for this. You didn't ask for the trials and the struggles and the troubles. And it's not your fault. Genesis chapter 3 cursed the land we live in, but we're aliens to this land. We're strangers. We're we're foreigners here. And on the day that I'm taken up into glory and I spend eternity with Jesus, there's no more heartache. There's no more crying. There's no more suffering. There's no more pain. I didn't ask for these trials. I didn't ask for the voices that, that, I mean, it, it might be weird, and I do see somebody maybe for not the voices, but I didn't ask for the voices in my head. I didn't ask to be accused. I didn't be asked to be made believe something that ain't true about myself. I didn't ask for people to put me down. I didn't ask for Satan to be on my back. But I also didn't ask for the double blessing that comes as we endure through the trial and through the fire. The fire is hot. I don't know any more about Job other than what you read in those 42 chapters but I believe Job was a different man when he come through those trials and tribulations first of all when it took God to say embrace yourself like a man I got something to say to you son instead of allowing the misery to bring the company he prayed for the accusers and then the Lord restored there's hope today there's encouragement today for me to know that although I didn't ask for this I didn't ask for struggles I didn't ask for trials I didn't ask to deal with discouragement I didn't ask to deal with the accuser there's blessings that are coming that I didn't ask for either Amen See it's ironic to me because in the beginning you think well I don't want to be the stand up guy that's got the target on his back that Satan's prowling around for right but there's always a blessing at the end me living an upright life Me living in honesty and integrity, me living in purity and honor, although it puts a target on my back, and although it means, I told you last week that, I think I told you last week sometime, I sleep with a Bible like this most of the time, even though it brings those moments. Without those moments, I don't receive the double portion of blessings God's got from my life. Had Job not lost everything, I don't believe it would have been replaced with double what he had. So it's, it's kind of this weird thing that as we live upright, as we do what's right, as we live faithful, trying to please God, yes, so we, we have Satan's attention. reality is you want to go even further fewer and fewer people today have Satan's attention right that means you can only be that much more of a focus if you're doing right but without those seasons and without those trials we don't receive the double portion Satan can't kill you I got a friend a pastor friend of mine And I made a joke about it, but I'm being serious. I'll tell you more about it if you want to know about it. I'll talk about it one day. I believe getting help is important. And I believe that we get to a place where we need somebody to kind of organize and help us walk through thoughts and walk through seasons of life. And I see a fantastic counselor, a Christian guy. He's independent because he loves to apply spiritual uh, theology and scripture in Concordance with psychology to to walk through life. It's beautiful. I've got another friend that had a conversation with this guy one day, and he was living in this horrible place of depression, struggling, dealing with anxiety, and finally, Don, as the counselor's name said, you do realize your anxiety can't kill you, right? You realize that your anxiety cannot kill you. And his friend's like, huh, never really thought about it like that. Because when the accuser is pressing, I'm not saying anxiety is just some thought. I, it's not, I'm saying when the accuser is using anxiety against you, he's accusing in any way he possibly can to make you believe that that thing that he's pushing against you actually is going to kill you. It can't. The devil can't kill you. Satan cannot take our life. I didn't ask for trials. I didn't ask to be accused. But I also didn't ask for the double blessings. Father, Lord, you know where your people are today. I believe that this message is supposed to be a message of encouragement. God, I believe that it's, you've put it on my heart for somebody to walk through this today. Maybe it's the simple thought, Holy Spirit, that you dropped in in my, my heart today that we need to pray for those accusing us. I don't know what it is. I don't know why that this word had to be brought today, Father, but I pray in some way, shape, or form. Lord, as we all face life in a different way, in ways we've never faced it before, God, we've got to realize that you didn't send it to us. You may have released some protection, but you didn't send this to us, God. It's not good, it's not pleasing, and it's not perfect. Therefore, it did not come from you. Father, I didn't have to ask for these trials to get them. I live in a sin-cursed world, and until today, you take me to glory where there is no sin anymore, there's no pain anymore, there's no heartache anymore, I live here. Facts are facts, it's where I'm at. I don't have to ask for trials, trials are gonna come. God, I don't have to ask for, the, for people to accuse me. I don't, have to be put, I don't have to ask to be put down. I don't have to look for people to put me down and push me down, Father, because they're already there. Because the accuser is doing just that. God, but I recognize today that although those two statements are true, and although Job did not ask for trials and he did not ask to be accused, Father, your grace is... And your mercy and your faithfulness, your favor, your goodness, God, your uprightness. Everything about you is, is, is so good to us, Lord. God, that I don't have to ask for the double portion when I walk through those trials. Father, regardless of what people are walking through today, God, I pray that you would lift their head, encourage them, Lord, and let them realize that the trial only lasts so long. As your word tells us, we're going to be united with Christ. But it's after we walk through this suffering. Father, I pray your blessings on your people. God, I pray that you bless us, keep us. Father, I pray you let your face shine on us, give us grace. Turn your face toward us, Lord, give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.